you got to get out of the thinking that your brand is just your logo and your colors. Like your brand, first of all, while you may decide the name, you don't decide the feel of the brand. Your brand impression is all what your clients say you are. Right. And so if they think you're a reputable company, guess what? You're a reputable company. If they think you're a terrible company, guess what? You're a terrible company. And so it's dictated while we do everything, you as a business owner do everything on your end to make the brand consistent, authentic, aligned with your core values, which I 100% agree with. You can't have an inauthentic brand. People sniff that a mile away. Mm -hmm. And if your people are not bought into your brand, they are a reflection of your brand, whether you like it or not. So your brand goes way above and beyond just the colors of your logo and your website and all of that. Well, all that should be consistent. Your people need to emulate the brand as well. If you're somebody's wearing your shirt, your Scorpion shirt, and they're out at the bar and yep. they act inappropriately, guess what? That's a reflection on your brand. And consumers see that. Now they have a bad association with the brand. So this becomes a PR issue that goes way above and beyond just the marketing side of things. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. My name's Tommy Mello, and today is going to be a very cool session because I have two awesome people from one of the largest advertising companies in the nation when it comes to home services. I've got Cheryl McRae and Josh Smith. And Cheryl is an expert at digital marketing, public relations, and social media, product positioning and branding, and crisis communications. And Josh knows a little bit about a lot. He's PPC. <laughs> SEO, content marketing, leadership and motivation, team building and management, project implementation. Uh, Cheryl's coming from California, uh, Valencia, and she's at Scorpion. She's the director of Vertical Marketing Producer and the Sharpest Tool Podcast. She's been there since 2018. She used to be involved at Retail Match Incorporated. It's a tech startup marketing development agency and then pro ad voice director of marketing. Josh is in Santa Clara, California. He's also at Scorpion. He's the VP of Marketing Home Services Division and the Senior Internet Marketing Manager is what he did before at Scorpion. And he's also the co-host of the Sharpest Tool podcast. And he's the Shedlight Media owner. What is Shedlight Media, by the way? That's been a little passion project I've had for a little over 10 years, but it's a, a video and photography production company. So... Dude, this is going to be killer. So Cheryl's on top of her game. She's the director, like I said, at Scorpion, an award-winning professional with over 15 years of national and international marketing experience in home services, telecommunications, biomedical software, real estate, travel, financial, automotive, and retail. She spearheads yeah. Scorpion's strategy for educating home service businesses about digital marketing and connecting them to solutions for acquiring new customers. She also produces the Sharpest Tool podcast with over 50 episodes and counting. So she's a kickboxer, she's strength training, hiking, and she enjoys California's beautiful weather and the Pacific Ocean. And Josh, I mean, his resume keeps going here, but um, <laughs> he's involved in increasing revenue and growing the business. He's been involved with creative marketing initiatives for more than a decade now and loves talking about leadership motivation, taking life by the horns, and how to accomplish clients' goals. He's happily married with three little kids, and he loves to feed his creative side through film production, music, podcasting, and even building up businesses. So what we're going to start with 
is we're going to give each of you an opportunity to tell us your stories, how you got where you're at today, and what's next for you guys going forward. I guess we could start with Cheryl, since she's at the top of the mock-up here. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, well, I've done 20 years of marketing. So I've been in the trades of various forms of the trades for a long time. And I like to think that home services found me, actually. <laughs> And I, I have a, an innate ability for essential workers in various aspects and making sure that they succeed. It's a strong desire of mine. It's a passion. I think Josh would agree that at Scorpion, we are uniquely dedicated to the services in a way that most companies are not. So what else would you like to know, Tommy? So you, you got in, you've been doing this a long time. You're really involved in a lot of stuff. You're a perfectionist from the experience I've had with you the last yes. 20 encounters. And <laughs> you're involved in a lot of stuff. You guys do a lot of cool things at Scorpion. I got introduced to you by Al Levy. And yes. Al's like, when you go to Scorpion, they've got a grand piano. I mean, you guys live it up right. And you guys take care of your people, They're your internal customers, which I think is a great topic. But tell us a little bit about what does your day to day look like? What are your goals, aspirations to grow at Scorpion? Mine are Josh's. Yours still. We're still talking about your So, so my role is top of funnel to bottom of funnel. So, what that means, which is marketing speak, and Josh, you can tell me when I'm using too much jargon. <laughs> so, marketing qualified leads down to sales qualified leads. So, my job is to find the home services businesses that we can help the most and who we should target so that they succeed, especially during a pandemic. That's my job. And then helping them convert with the sales team and Josh's team manages the campaigns and does all the amazing things to make sure those results happen. Okay. So Cheryl, and maybe Josh, you could answer this. Then I want to hear your story, Josh, but who is your perfect avatar? I mean, it's probably not your one man in a truck and it's, I'm sure it could be the biggest and best, but what do you guys look for in a client before you're ready to commit to their success? Great question. Josh, you want to start and I'll add in? Sure. Yeah, I think this is an evolving answer, actually, Tommy. As Scorpion continues to evolve, continues to bring more technology to the space, to the trades, to help business owners be effective and successful, there's different challenges. I look at separating home service business owners into three categories. You got your truck and a truck, who's doing the jobs, doing the business, they start hiring on more people, they enter into the second phase where they need to really start establishing you know, their operating procedures, their SOPs. And then once they get those established, the client experience is on lockdown, then they get into the next tier where they all of a sudden, they really have to push that client experience out to the masses. And so they really get involved in, in mass media and making the brand aware to everybody. And so we find kind of our sweet spot is in that has been historically in that upper tier of home service businesses, where we work with people who have very established operating procedures internally, and they need additional technology power behind their marketing efforts to really make things more effective and impactful. But that's not to say that we want to leave out, obviously, the guys who are starting their business are on the ground floor. So we've been actively working on technology to help that client. And it's really exciting. We're on the precipice of something pretty amazing with that in the coming months. So, Okay. Josh, real quick, let's go back to, yeah, you know, you're just a, a cool guy that probably <laughs> likes to yes. surf and you got three kids and uh, <laughs> what are your goals? You're working on some cool things. 
don't you tell us your story and where you plan on going with, with Scorpion? Yeah, man. I started off actually, obviously, with the Shedlight Media stuff, doing photography. And I've always been involved in marketing, I guess you could say. I started off shooting headshots for actors, which is their primary calling card for people that quickly evolved into a passion skill set for video and, and photography and the media production and things like that. And I was able to bring a lot of that to bear when I came over to Scorpion as well, because now all of a sudden I was able to take that knowledge of owning a business, running a business, marketing a business, and move that into helping other business owners. It was a really unique opportunity for me to take that passion and translate that passion. And uh, I've been involved in that. I've been a Scorpion almost eight years helping business owners hit goals, long-term initiatives. And then I had the very unique opportunity to lead the home services marketing team in particular about three years ago when we started having a really heavy emphasis and specializing our teams internally. And it's been such a fun roller coaster of really identifying exactly how to do this properly for home service businesses and uh, growing the team as a result of that. I mean, we grew 100% in year one, we grew 80% in year two, once we started making these specialty things. And I have to say just our targets in terms of growth goals, the sky is really the limit, especially as we continue to take advantage of new advancements in technology, ways to help business owners be smarter. I know we're going to talk a lot about this in some of the, the questions on the podcast today, but helping business owners think smarter with their marketing by utilizing data and assessing consumer behavior and trends as they come and being able to anticipate consumer trends and behavior before they even happen. So there's a lot of power behind that and technology is the key to helping us unlock that mystery. You know, there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast that really, they don't, I don't want to say don't understand, but it's almost like a four-letter word when you start talking buyer trends. And it it really, like for me, it's sophisticated. And I'm not, I just got, I've been in the business longer and I've had really I spent a small fortune on consulting. So I love what you guys are saying about operating procedures. And we go for companies that already have figured out the SOPs, the operating procedures, the checklists. And I preach this stuff on the podcast and Al Levy preaches it. And a lot of the people on the podcast say, you got to have systems with an expected outcome. And really, I think one of the reasons you probably don't go to Chuck in the truck is they can't handle what you can bring them. And mm-hmm. I had a company out of San Francisco contact me and they're a, uh, they're a lead gen slash review. It wasn't Yelp, but it's similar. And they're a $2 billion company. And they said they wanted me to come, wanted to pay me lots and lots of money to come talk to their employees about what the difference is between a big company. And they all thought you could make a lot of money with small companies. They all said, there's all these small companies, kind of like Uber. I need a lot of drivers. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're so much opposite. And a company like mine, I create amazing technicians that have an expected result and I could afford to pay good money to advertise because we offer a good, a good value and value is different than price. And I love to hear, and I don't know who to ask the question. So I'm going to let you guys figure this out. And I know that sucks, but you guys both have a lot of experience and you guys might have two takes on different things, but explain to me a little bit about what you guys look for in a sophisticated... Now, I know you look at revenue and employees, but really when you talk to a client, you say, we love you. We can grow you. We know that you've got what it takes yeah. because I want you guys to think about the listeners out there is what you need to mold yourself in to be one of Cheryl and Josh's clients, that sophistication, because they could, they could pour steroids on anything. So let's hear what they want you to become. Yeah. The biggest distinctions I want to draw first is I know you mentioned the use of like our clients. 
the word that I like to throw out there is, is partnership. Like this at the end of the day is a partnership. This isn't a vendor relationship. This is something that you're going to look at. You're going to grow with a company. You're going to be having conversations with the company. This isn't a dollars in and then some expected result because marketing is a constantly fluctuating machine. There are so many variables. There are more factors out there now than there ever were before about what makes a campaign effective and successful. And it, you only realize the kind of record-breaking revenue that some of our clients recognize. You only recognize that when you view your vendor and work with your vendor as a partner. It's not a vendor relationship. So it's really important that the clients that come over to us, they partner with us. They don't just pay us, right? Partnership is really one of the biggest key things here because we're going to be requesting things of the businesses that we work with that we need in order to make their marketing as effective and impactful as possible. So that's, that's the first thing that I would say you have to look at. And Cheryl, you look like you're going to say something. I am going to. <laughs> Josh has known me for a few years now. <laughs> I think it's, it is partnership, but we at Scorpion consider it family. Mm-hmm. When we take on a client, it's not just a business who's out in the world in Dayton, Ohio, and looking to expand their service area. We take it every client relationship, every yeah. single one extremely personally. We get to know you. We get to understand your business needs. We, we build a strategy around your scaling plans or descaling plans, whatever it is that's right for your business. And we care yeah. in a way that I don't think anyone else does in this entire industry. Yeah, I think that's totally right. Actually, just to kind of bring that to a, a T there, one of our pillars is earning a seat at the table. Yep. And not just the table of discussion. Oftentimes that's the dinner table or that's the restaurant table. It's, it's doing life with the businesses that we get the opportunity and the pleasure to partner with. So I think that's the first thing. I think another thing that we really look for is, yes, it's interesting that we, we really want to focus on somebody who's got an internal operation that is figured out in a sense or on its way to move in that direction. And the reason why is because that is so important to marketing being effective. Because it's nonsensical to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on marketing, but the internal operation isn't able to support it, just like you mentioned, Tommy. And so we look at it as a threefold approach. You have that, what we say, that click that turns into a call, that call that turns into an appointment, and that appointment that turns into dollars in your pocket, right? And if any, any of those three are not really working or effective, then you're not going to have a machine that's going to be able to get you record results. And so we really want somebody who's got those second two pieces figured out because those are the things that you control as a business owner internally in the organization. So we're going to look at things like your close rates of your CSRs, your close rates for your tax. And obviously that, those metrics might vary by industry. But then when we have those things handled, what we have the ability to potentially offer in our partnerships comes alongside that to amplify it and to amplify the effect and the effort. I'll add to that. What Josh's team does is analysis and they take the analysis, which is deep, Tommy. Like what they do is not a small amount of thought leadership. And then, then what we do as a company and Josh's team in particular is provide honest guidance. So we see when he says partnership, we mean we're going to get you to where you want to be. Is it a one-year plan? Is it a three-year plan? Is it a 10-year plan? And we're going to give you the guidance to get you there. We're going to give you the strategy and we're going to report on the results. 
at every stage. You know, I was last year, I talked to the CEO at a company called Valpac. They're the little blue mailers that come in the mail and they recently did a big buyout of a lot of the uh, money mailers. So they're one of the largest conglomerate of mailers. And he said, Tommy, I think the one thing that we pride ourselves on is we buy more data than most companies. And he said, we figured out a way to hit the avatar at the right time and we know how to test it and improve it. They're not really a direct competitor. They do mailers. You guys do a little bit of of a lot. And so one of the things I spoke at their events just to their franchise owners, not, not their customers. And I said, the best thing you could do to a customer is tell them when it's not working. You see, there's certain advertising agencies that push, push, push for that dollar a day. And there's the smart ones that say, we need to stop the bleeding. Your call center, they don't answer the calls on time and your conversion rate. So you got to share that data. And the smart people like you guys say, let's hit the brakes. But you guys have more insight. I think of a company like yours, like a Procter & Gamble, that Mm kind of have the unfair advantage of having data to rely on to actually take the bus. You guys don't say, I think, you say, I know because of all the data. And you're not just in one segment. Home service is a large one, but you're deeper than that. And you do know the buyer trends. You know what's happening in the economy and other things. So I'm interested to know, what does the data tell you about what works and what doesn't for home service businesses? And whoever wants to take that, like I said, how about both of you and Josh started first and then Cheryl and however you guys want to work this out. Sure. We're very happy to work with uh, whatever answers you guys have. Yeah. No, that's a deep question. And so data, well, the minute you get into data, it's really easy to get confused with it. So I want to kind of pull it top level about what the data tells us. Because all data is intended to tell a story, right? And the better we understand the story, the more we can react to what potentially is happening in the story. And so it's interesting, as we've been in this game for a long time, PPC, for example, pay-per-click, these are the ads that you see at the very top of the search engine results page when you do a search for anything. Over time, we've been tracking this data for over 10 years now, right? And one of the things that you see is consistent across every vertical is PPC cost is increasing. That's an indisputable fact. And in really competitive markets, like the Phoenix, Arizona market, or like the Los Angeles market, big city metropolitan areas, you see that, that cost increase in a pretty substantial way to the point where for a lot of home service business owners, the lead cost that you're driving in leads through that channel might not make the most difference to your business, right? You might be operating on such a high lead cost that your job value, there's some cases where the value that a company charges for the job, the work that's done, actually is less than the cost of the lead. And so some companies aren't able to kind of get to that quick enough. So they end up spending a lot of money. They're spending a lot of money on things that haven't been able to produce the kind of revenue that they need in order for it to be an actionable thing. We've also seen things like social media usage increase over time, right? We saw this especially we're in the middle of uh, the COVID crisis right now here in 2020, for those who may be watching this five years from now. And we saw social media uh, usage increase pretty exponentially. At the beginning of COVID, everything went to work from home. Everybody's operating from home. We saw Facebook usage increase by over 50%, Instagram increase by over 30%. So what that's pointing us to is how consumers are behaving, what your customers are doing when they're not working with you, right? And so we want to identify that, take that's a piece of data, a piece of information that we want to incorporate and think with as we're developing a strategy for a business. Think about this, video consumption has been increasing over time. It's a social component. We see video feeds starting to fill up the Facebook feeds, fill up Google search results. So that's another... TikTok is a video feed and I'm watching them blow through the roof. And you know what? It's nuts. 
Yeah. And right now you got Microsoft thinking about a potential acquisition of the American side of TikTok. Like there's, there's a lot of things that are going around video and it's easier than ever to produce good quality video. I mean, you got this, this smartphone right here, right? And that thing has the ability to produce 4K images. So it's easier than ever to tell a story with video. Therefore, we're seeing a lot more increase in activity when it comes to video consumption. And the other thing that we want to take a look at is how does Google change over time? If you've, you could do, run a Google search and see, say, 2010, 2010, Google search engine results page. See how it looked 10 years ago and see how it looks today. Now, a lot of people, they look at Google and the changes that they make to the search engine results page and they think this, Google's a monopoly. They're just changing how we have to do things. I actually beg to differ. I would suggest the opposite. Google's responding to what people are doing. So the consumer behavior is changing. How your people, your customers are interacting online is changing and transitioning as technology advances. There was a point where we couldn't get Facebook on our phones. Now you can. What does that show? We see an increase in mobile usage. All of this data points to the reality that your customers have the ability and a potential to interact with your business at multiple points way before they contact you. And that's a really powerful data point for you to think with. Now, when you compound that with the reality that directories are offering lead opportunities now, Google has potential lead opportunities now. There are so many different areas and and ways that you can potentially draw in leads. It begs the question for the business owner, what's the most effective and impactful way for me to invest my marketing dollars? And you think about a lot of smaller businesses, they don't have an unlimited budget. Most are operating on, the aggressive ones are operating on an 8 to 10% margin off their top line revenue in terms of investing in marketing. Where do you put those dollars to have the biggest impact? And all this data is pointing to the reality that best case scenario, you're in front of everybody at multiple stages. But what we have the ability to do on our end through the technology and using data analytics and data analysis, is you're able to see over time when you marry that together with your actual customer base. So we call it a client retain list. Who are you actually retaining as a customer? When you have the ability to match that data up with what your channels are producing, if you're investing into your organic representation online, what we call SEO, if you're investing into PPC or pay-per-click, if you're investing in Yelp advertising, Facebook advertising, and you have the ability to match up which channels are producing the dollars, but then actually step back and see, are these channels that I'm investing in affecting and impacting my top line revenue in a positive way? That's the bigger story. And the one word of caution I'll say with going this route that you have to always step back as the business owner and look at everything from a bigger picture perspective is that people are interacting again with multiple points of contact with your business at several points before they actually convert into a client. You have to step back and recognize that because just because your Yelp campaign generated X number of dollars doesn't necessarily mean that your PPC campaign that didn't have as much of an ROI didn't impact that conversion at some point. Because we have data to show multi-touch attribution before a client converts to your business. So, You know, there's something that you said there. And you know, one thing I've noticed, Josh, is one thing I say on the podcast a lot is Google is God. And Google is a monopoly. I got to say, they only hire MBAs. There's no one else that runs an algorithm that could take the data in a sophisticated way. And when you talk about artificial intelligence, it's real and it's not fair. And there's no one else like it. 
But yeah. I like Google because it's been good to me. But Google is more of a the demand. I think social is about building a funnel and creating mm-hmm. demand. So we talk a lot about in stocks, we talk about market cap. We talk mm-hmm. about what this industry is. And I completely disagree in one way. I say, I'm creating market cap. I charge a higher price than anybody. So therefore I'm raising, but you know what? I've got the best value. I think price is relative. If a guy sells a a 10,000 cycle spring for $200 and I sell an 80,000 cycle spring for $500, the cycle life, that guy is really charging $1,600 if he was to go up to eight pairs of those, which I'm giving. So I'm actually $1,100 cheaper. I'm a better value. And I'm selling oranges when everybody's selling apples. But my point is, I think the things are changing so rapidly and we're at a point of exponential growth. The data is compounding faster than we are. And the algorithms are changing faster and it's exciting, but it's scary. And I don't want to scare people. And you did touch upon a subject and I want to hear both your views on this is pay-per-click is not for the faint at heart. Do not do PPC unless you could afford to or long-tailed. I prefer to come in number two or three than number one, because I know I can make just as much. And I know the brand recognition. I had a smart guy named Ken Goodrich come on and he said, Tommy, I only bid on my own keywords now. I said, why? He goes, because people click on me now. I'm up to a 67% click-through rate. I was a 4% click-through rate because I put all my money into billboards and radio. And he works with Roy Williams. He works with a lot of companies on different things, but he's got a whole different tactic. And it's mind-boggling when you hear things like that. It's how you're right. Everything touches each other. So I guess the question I'm asking is, for the small business out there with three technicians that's working on the SOPs, everything we've talked about, Where do they start? And there's no right or wrong answer here, but I don't think it's with pay-per-click, first of all. I definitely think they should start with SEO and get their Google local business reviews and get the citation sites done and just the fundamentals of the brand. And we could talk about, I mean, this podcast could last us 25 hours. Oh, it totally could. But ultimately, where do we start? I want to know, and I know my answer, but you guys are on the podcast and everybody kind of has heard me talk for, for years on this thing. So... Tell me where you start with a three-man group. Where would you get going? And how do you start? Sure. Yeah, I want to pull a, a distinction to something that you said in just terms of how I would categorize it, right? You, you mentioned Ken Goodrich, Gettle Plumbing. So Gettle's in a stage of business that, as I referred to earlier, it's that third tier, that third stage. They have a solid experience. They have a, a machine that they're able to to turn things out. At that point, it becomes about awareness, way more than it becomes about what we would call bottom of the funnel advertising, things where you're just focused on getting leads in. That's a completely different situation and position than the three-man group. That's completely different than your chuck in a truck. Absolutely. I yeah. just don't think Ken's listening probably right now. I hope he is. He probably listens to a couple of them. Yeah. I don't think the guys that are out there that I know the Jim Abrams of the world are not like, ooh, Tommy Mello's podcast. I hope they are. They probably should be. Yeah. Because we're doing stuff that they don't know about, like the stuff you yeah. know you're talking about. But anyways. Yeah. So you have to balance it between what we've been able to see as like short-term initiatives versus long-term initiatives. And I think you see a transition as the business grows towards one versus the other. So getting your business to be known, your three-man group, more likely than not, they're not known as well as obviously the... 10 million, $100 million 
guy that is is out there pushing brand and getting a 67% click through rate on their brand. So they have a challenge. They they can focus on building brand, which is a very hefty investment, but they have to balance that out with actually getting jobs now. They have to keep their boards full. SEO is a big part of that long term, but there are some short-term lead initiatives that they do need to be involved with. Now I'd actually suggest depending on the area, PPC can be a very smart investment for that. Now, if you're in an area where you're turning out a two to $300 lead cost, probably not the best way, best use of your money. But there's been additional advancements in terms of lead generation, things like your Google local service ads. For those that haven't been aware of those, if you run a search for any kind of home service business, those are the first three boxes that show up even above the PPC ads. Google guarantee is what I usually call it on here. Google guarantee. Yeah, it's got a Google guarantee. Awesome, awesome lead channel that you can get into less control over that lead channel compared to PPC though. And so that's something to consider when it comes to where you're potentially investing your dollars. But your goal as a three-man truck is you're definitely going to be focusing a hefty amount of your dollars on those bottom of the funnel strategies that are intended to drive leads because you need to keep your boards full at the end of the day, especially if you got texts that are going out. Most of the clients that we run with are running a three-day call board. So if their call board is booked out past three days, then it's, you want to be, that's again, that communication and that partnership with your marketing company. You want to make sure that's communicated because you should scale back that bottom of the funnel advertising because you can't book the jobs even if you got the leads. On the flip side, you want to communicate when those three-day call boards are not full because you have a demand, there's a need. And if you're multi-trade, you might have a demand in HVAC, but your electric's booked out and vice versa. And that's constantly fluctuating. That's where the conversation piece comes in. But you're going to have a heftier in that three-man group. You're going to have a heftier investment on the bottom of the funnel demand side because the demand is there and you're not as well known to where people, when they think of a garage door company, they're not thinking of A1 yet because the brand isn't built yet. When you're thinking of a plumber, you're not thinking of Joe's Plumbing. When you're thinking of HVAC, you're not thinking Gettle necessarily. Actually, you probably are thinking Gettle because of the brand, right? But if Gettle was a three-man operation... Somebody would be thinking of the ghetto today versus the ghetto of five years ago because the brand hadn't been there. Brand gets burnt into the brain over time. And that's something that only happens with an investment in that. But again, you have to constantly balance that short-term initiative with the bottom of the funnel stuff, keeping the boards busy, building the brand recognition and the experience with customers so they start talking about you to their friends. And then over time, you'll start to see that transition because you have more people searching for your name because of the positive experience that you gave them and them telling the friend, you're top of mind. And then at that, what they call the Z-mot, right? The zero moment of truth. You're the person that they think about. And so it's this evolving pattern that you see where long-term it becomes more of a focus on the brand. And then the PPC, those bottom of the funnel things become something that you supplement when the demand is there. But in the beginning, the demand is much more prominent. So you have to make sure that you're focusing and balancing that out. And you're going to want to look for lower cost lead channels. So in an area where you got a Google local service ads or a Google guaranteed, like you call it, where you're able to turn out a $30 lead and you're in an area where PPC is turning out a $150 lead, you don't need to invest in PPC. You need to max out your Google guarantee before you even think about PPC. But once you have reasonable confidence that you're maxing out your Google guaranteed, If you still need more demand, you got to look at what's the next channel that I potentially can get involved in and get the highest possible, not just return, but return back on the investment in terms of the lead volume that it's going to do and what I'm actually able to book. So Cheryl, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that one. All of that was great, Josh. 
I'd circle back to what you said about you need to know what your customers are doing when you're not in contact. Mm. That's huge. And that's the omni-channel marketing. Yeah. You know, Josh has talked extensively about how you handle your leads and your jobs when they come in and understanding the ROI on that is hugely important. But what's happening when they're not in contact with you is just as important. Yeah, and the lifetime value of the client, I'll tell you guys a little something that I've stumbled upon. This is my one big effing gold nugget for the podcast is there's a huge demand when no one else wants to work, and that's past five. Those are your on-call guys. If you decided how many people don't want to rank for emergency night service, and if you learned how to get nighttime shifts, which the best companies have, you're competing in a game that no one else competes in. You want to get really cheap clicks, of high conversion rate, high average tickets, when no one wants to work, send me out. I used to go out till 2015, I was running the midnight calls and I'd go out and guess what? They had an open price, they didn't care how much they paid, they wanted the convenience and no one else answered. I was the 10th person that answered, the 10th one that actually took the phone call. And I'd say, if I'm gonna come out, it's gonna cost me $99 just to ring your doorbell. And then we're going to do everything it needs, do we agree? And those keywords become cheap and it's cheap to rank for emergency nighttime and weekend service. If you build your small company around where there's a lot of demand, but no one wants it, you can make a lot of freaking money. There's less traffic in places like Arizona. It's a lot cooler outside and customers want to pay more and it's a higher conversion rate. So those of you guys that are small, my tidbits would be, you could do PPC, you could do Yelp, you could do Kudzu, you could do Merchant Circle, I could, anything at night, weekends, whatever you want, is that's where you compete when no one else is competing. Like I said, sell oranges when everyone else is selling apples. I love wood overlay doors that we build in door 48 here because no one's my competition. I've got three competitors that could build what we could build here. And that's the difference is why are you competing where there's a million people when you can compete where there's three? Yep. And um, those are the things that I think people think outside of the box. And I just came to this realization that we've got emergency service, but I don't have any night shifts. Whereas I've got a sheet right here, those of you that aren't listening. I've got my cancellations here. It shows yesterday. I've got 43 cancellations yesterday. 55% of those were because they were upset or a competitor got there first. If I could have took those jobs and got them in tonight, I could have cut that into a third. Yeah. And that's the difference. But you guys know I'm a numbers guy. You guys know I'm a data guy. So we speak the same language. And people are asking, just work a little bit later. Be that five to eight shift and watch what customers do. You know, we're going through something right now. It's, it's rare times. Everybody was a little bit nervous. I got to say, COVID's bad and I don't like it. But what it did for what we could control is home service did, is doing very well. There were losers and there's winners. But I'll tell you this, right now, I'm going to talk about something that's not on our sheet here, but it is everybody I talk to goes, I could really use a lot of good guys right now. I need help. I can't keep up. I'm two months out. What do you say, and this is marketing. This is why I love, I'm talking to marketers, is marketing is finding great people. Those are your internal customers. So, so many people spend all this time getting clients, but they don't spend any time creating amazing employees to run the calls. So let's talk a little bit about finding amazing people that care and they buy into your dream, which become your vision and they're executing it. Yeah. Cheryl, well, do you want to start on this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll start on this. Well, first of all, you have to clarify your vision and your mission because you can't find someone to fit with that if you haven't 
clarified it. So you need a mission, vision, and core values. And I tell people all the time, write this stuff down and figure it out because people want to buy into what you're dishing out. So absolutely, Cheryl, you got to define this stuff and where are you going? Have a destination. Yeah, I think that's the first step for sure is obviously that there's a saying, right? People don't leave bad businesses, they leave bad managers. I think you have to have a solid leadership team, pure and simple. And somebody that engages with the team in a different way. I talk to a lot of business owners and they're like, they're struggling with how to work with millennials, for example. They're like, you know, when I was young and an apprenticeship, when I did something wrong, I got a wrench to the face. (laughs) That's like a common thing. It's like, boy, of times change. You get a lawsuit for that now, right? That's the type of thing you got to recognize what your people need. And what we have found, especially when you're dealing with a younger crowd, if you're an older business owner or even a younger business owner and you're hiring a lot of peers that potentially are in that, you have to make the job, first of all, attractive. And that's going to come down to kind of the perks, benefits. That's all the logistical HR stuff, right? But then what culture are you creating from a leadership perspective? You have to create a culture that people want to be a part of. If you have a culture that people want to be a part of, that's an external intrinsic factor to the company that other companies can't necessarily replicate. And that all starts with the people that you hire on. Anybody you bring on, they have to be somebody who lives and breathes that culture, especially on the leadership side. So anybody you're promoting into a leadership position, they may be qualified for a leadership position. They may have the credibility, the rap sheet for a position. But I have people on my team that fit that bill of being ready for that, but they're not bought in yet to really instilling the kind of values and culture system that we need to instill into people in order to make sure that we get the next level of the business going and moving into the next tier. So this always, 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 in my opinion, boils back to a leadership problem if we have a tech problem. Now there is a shortage, right? I hear this a lot. It always boils back to a leadership challenge because the leadership has to go out, find the talent. They got to find the right people, get the right people on the right bus and the right seat to use Colin's language from uh, good to great. You got to get people in the right seat on the bus. And you have to go out and you have to create a culture and promote that culture through your existing employees that people want to be a part of. It's going to manifest itself in the HR side, but it's also going to manifest in how you treat your team, how you develop growth patterns and show them the progress and the growth that they can see. I think another reason why a lot of people leave organizations is a lack of growth opportunity. So you got to really have that mapped out. When somebody comes on board, where are they going? As a leader, you have to lead the charge. That boils into your mission and your vision. Get them bought into the mission and the vision. Have them be a part of developing that as well. If you haven't developed one yet, take your existing team, get them around in a roundtable room or maybe do a one-on-one and just ask them the simple question, where do you want to take this company? Where do you want to take this business? Because your success doesn't ride on your ability to do this. Your success rides on your team's ability to make magic happen and to provide the customer experience that's going to expand the business that people want to tell their friends about, right? And the best way that I have found to get people bought into that mission and vision is to get them to be a part of it. Don't feel like you have to be isolated. You hired your people on your team for a reason. And as you bring new people in, it's a great feedback question. What can we do to improve? Where do you want to take the business? What other ideas do you have? People love to be a part of the journey. They don't just want to be a cog in a machine. Yeah. And I do think on top of that, Josh, that's I wholeheartedly agree with everything to the T. I like to ask guys, today I introduced 34 new technicians. And I said, this is the orientation. Welcome. You guys are ready for 
And I started just getting into my slideshow, man. And I was on fire. And I said, here's the thing, guys. You guys have personal goals to take that trip across America, to take your wife. And I, I can't wait to get my first woman technician, but generally it's mostly guys up there. So I said, to take your wife to Italy, to buy your mom and dad that house they always wanted. And I said, I want to match your company goals to your personal goals. I want to know what's in it for you. I want to match those up and bring you success. But that's your children's education. And I said, by the way, they don't need education because look at you guys. You guys are going to step into a six-figure income. But here's my main thing for you guys is you guys got to love it. You guys tell me if you don't love it. You guys come up with great ideas. If you guys want to go bowling like we did last week, let's go bowling. Let's go to a hidden room, figure our way out. Let's go dunk the trainer, throw the softball at him. But we got to have fun. And if you guys aren't having fun, then I don't want you guys to be here because I mean, I have fun. And this is too much fun for me. But I was just talking to my PR girl outside and she got our new dispatch manager. And she says, Tommy, I told this guy for three years that you two need to work together. And I was like, that's super cool that she had a vision to tell him all the time that you should go work for Tommy. And I've got business owners saying, Tommy, I want to give you my business to come work with you. And I'm like, you don't have to give me your business, but okay, I'll take it. No, but I'm like, this is super <laughs> fun. I'm like, this is exciting stuff. And I'll tell you what, you're right, Josh. People hate millennials. I love millennials. I mm -hmm. freaking love them. I'm on the borderline. I'm, I'm right there with the millennials started in 83. And I, I personally, I want to know how I'm doing. You know what the good thing about a baby boomer is you say, you're going to get a $5 raise. You tell a millennial that they're like, well, how am I doing? Can we go out to lunch? That, you know, it's a completely different thing. And I think... You got to start focusing on building your team. And here's something I know about Ken. I went over there and he's got this guy we call the GOAT. His name is Dale. I gave him a big poster board and they weren't there. But when you walk in there, it's this ambience. There's this, I feel it here too, but there's this something in the air and you watch everybody. They're getting stuff done. They're building something. Everybody's part of the team. And you guys just said at Scorpion, you want a seat at that table. And that's the seat of companies that are developing their people. They're developing their strategy. They're taking decisions based on data and they're having fun. And I think the companies that are adopting this, I could go out there. I told my guys upstairs in that room, I said, you know what made me special when I was out there in the garage? As I said, I did what was best for the customer. It was always not the most expensive thing. But I said, I said, what would I do for my own mom? I said, if she was flipping the house, I would get her a nice door with curb appeal, but it wouldn't be insulated. I said, there's a lot of things that I do because I diagnosed the person before the problem. And I was just adding on to everything you guys said. Yeah. And there's so much to unpackage here. But one other thing I want to talk about, because I talk about this a lot, but there's a brand identity crisis and everybody tries stuff out. They try out radio and they love it when their buddies call them and say, I heard you on the radio or I saw your billboard. And they tiptoe in it. And then they wonder why they don't get results. And I think that you're right. Everything goes back to Google because the radio billboards and TV are just simply to get your brand, the subconscious point. So when people do search you, your click-through rate gets higher and you actually save money. But I watch people, their coupons or their mailers don't look anything like their website and don't look anything mm -hmm. like their truck wrap. And they look at these things like an expense. I have a wrap company. They go, why would I spend $3,000 on a wrap? I go, how could you not? How could you not do it? So I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about you pay for the brand you become. I'm going to act like the company I am. I will be a billion-dollar company. In fact, now I think I'll be a $50 billion company, but that's regardless of the, the thing. But the point is I need to act like the company I want to become. 
People say, I can't get on service tonight or whatever it might be now, or I don't have the money for a wrap, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. Tell me a little bit about building the brand from the start and acting like a company you're going to become. Yeah. Cheryl has a lot of thoughts on this. I'll let her start. Can I start this one? Yeah. (laughs) So brand is your identity, right? They're equivalent. And the Tommy Mello brand, whether it's a home service expert, home service millionaire with your authorship, you have the same logo, you have the same colors, and it creates consistency. And consistency creates authenticity. And authenticity becomes authority in a space. And it's essential that you don't have typos. It's essential that you use the same colors. It's essential that you use the same fonts because that consistency ends up being trust in a consumer's mind. And when you break that trust, you break an agreement with a consumer. You break it. They don't believe in you. They don't believe in your company. They don't believe in your techs. They don't believe in the service you're going to provide. When you're consistent, They believe in you. Before you even put out an ad, you need to know who you are. You need to be consistent. You need to be careful with the whatever your name is. Like don't be similar name to someone in your service area. Be smart and use it all the time and use it the same way until you need to rebrand and evolve. And then you need someone like us to help you with that because it's complex. Cheryl, just real quick before you go, Josh, I want to add one important thing because I've been on the phone with lawyers every single day. And believe it or not, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm not the first A1 in the world. I don't know how that's possible. Maybe because it fell first in the phone book 15, 20 years ago. But what I found was there's over 120 companies with the name A1 Garage in them. So I've dealt with lawyers on a federal trademark. And here's what I'd recommend to everybody out there. If you're thinking about rebranding or a different name or possibly getting into another business or starting a business, be authentic and make sure it's not taken and pay the money to get a federal trademark if you plan on expanding because- IPO, do your IPO work, intellectual property work. And I'm getting my butt handed to me. I can't go backwards because I'm too far down, but I'm in these lawsuits and I can't talk much about them. And I'm going to, I've got more money. It's unfair. And I'm not trying to take these people down. I'm just trying to pay them to rebrand because I'm a national company. I paid the money to get it done. And I hate the situation I'm in because I'm not like, oh, big guy, crush small guy. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I screwed up 15 years ago and I'm too far down the cycle now. But I'm just telling people, be authentic, but make sure your brand isn't Google because Google has a lot of money. You should at least have what you do. You can't be, you can't yeah. be Simon Diamond's HVAC company. So, 100%. so do the research up front. Yeah, yeah, and I'm an idiot. And I could, I could help companies out so much, not because I'm smart, because I've made every freaking mistake in the book. But uh, yeah. Josh, go ahead if you want to take that, tackle that, the brand identity, because yeah. there's you, a lot you, there. You guys are hitting on, on a lot of the good stuff. I think the only thing I might sprinkle in there too is you got to get out of the thinking that your brand is just your logo and your colors. Like Your brand, first of all, while you may decide the name, you don't decide the feel of the brand. Your brand impression is all what your clients say you are, right? And so if they think you're a reputable company, guess what? You're a reputable company. If they think you're a terrible company, guess what? You're a terrible company. And so it's dictated while we do everything, you as a business owner do everything on your end to make the brand consistent, authentic, aligned with your core values. 
which I 100% agree with. You can't have an inauthentic brand. People sniff that a mile away. Mm -hmm. And if your people are not bought into your brand, they are a reflection of your brand, whether you like it or not. So your brand goes way above and beyond just the colors of your logo and your website and all of that. Well, all that should be consistent. Your people need to emulate the brand as well. If you're somebody's wearing your shirt, your Scorpion shirt, and they're out at the bar and they act inappropriately, guess what? That's a reflection on your brand. And consumers see that. Now they have a bad association with the brand. So this becomes a PR issue that goes way above and beyond just the marketing side of things. All of that's important because consistency breeds authenticity, just like Cheryl was saying. Think of the swoosh of Nike. What would you do if Nike changed their logo? <laughs> it well, like would take, Coke changed the taste of Coke, and that was the biggest nightmare in the 80s that ever happened. The biggest nightmare. <laughs> and I'm actually recalling something that Tide Laundry Detergent did where they changed the color of the bottle and sales dropped because there was no recognition of the bottle. It was something to that degree, a product base. So brand, when it's embedded in a consumer's mind as something that's positive, a positive association, you need to now protect the brand yes. right? on all fronts. Once you're established, you got to protect it. And you protect it not just through making sure everybody's aligned consistently and you have strict standards that you're adhering to, but also on your marketing side, When somebody's running a search, this is a big strategy that we deal with in marketing to bring it back to the marketing equation. Take a company like Gettle. I guarantee you there's other HVAC companies that are bidding and trying to get recognized under Gettle's name. Why? Because consumers sometimes have a misappropriation. They search for Gettle or they search for a company. They click on an ad that may not be the company and they just place a phone call. This is a real thing in marketing that we deal with right now. So once you develop the brand, you invest into the brand, you grow the brand, and this gets into that third tier business that we were talking about earlier, you now need to protect the brand. And a lot of your marketing dollars should be spent doing that. That's the constant cycle that we want to get people into. And why do you want to protect the brand? Because you don't want to have to fight for it back. That's reactive versus proactive. And what to what Josh was saying, every touch point is the brand. Every phone call, every live chat, every single interaction with the brand, whether they see you driving down the street, whether they see a billboard, whether they see an ad, they see something remarketing, every interaction with your brand is branding. Every single one. If you create an issue, now you have to fix it. Don't do that. Be proactive, not reactive. So I'm going to get you guys to the closing here, but I love the people that I meet that are business owners. I meet them and they're two trucks. And I know, you know, the two guys in a truck, listen, I could see the guys that are going to be the emperors of their home service industry because they've got a desire, they understand. And they say, what do I need to do to earn your business? They fight, they fight on the phone call. They fight on their ads. They fight in the dispatch. They fight when they show up and they're fighters And they say, I'm not going to take second best. We are the best. So listen, this has gone by. I felt like we've been on here about 10 minutes. And this is (laughs) is what you know is a good podcast is when it's like, wait a minute. This is already supposed to be over. So there's a few questions we close out and three things. If they want to get a hold of Scorpion to help them out first. And then if they want to get a hold of each of you personally, let's talk about how they're going to do that. Great. Well, I'll just start off. They want to get a hold of me. They can email me directly. Super simple. Josh.smith at scorpion.co. Not C-O-M. No M on the end of scorpion.co. So josh.smith at scorpion.co. And you can check us out. Just go to scorpion.co and go to the home services page. 
It's where we post a lot of our information, a lot of our data. That's how you can get a hold of the company. I think I might be on that page at some point. Yeah, Tommy's got his face on there a few times. So you're a familiar friend. (laughs) And Cheryl, I'm going to go out of... uh, I'm just going to take a prediction here, but it's Cheryl.mcrae at scorpion.co. Correct. Holy cow, I'm Houdini. Nostradamus. I highly recommend that all of your listeners listen to our podcast too. Yeah, listen, you guys got an amazing podcast. They've had a lot of great people on. We've got a lot of the similar people on, but you know, they do an amazing job at the sharpest tool. And yeah, feel free to go over there. Look, you can't get enough. A lot, a lot of things in the home services, we're driving around. We've got an opportunity to enhance our lives. Mm-hmm. And these guys talk to the, some of the top people in the industry. And it's amazing how many times we cross paths and now we really are working a lot together on a lot of things. But the next question is a super important one because I think readers are leaders. Yeah. And I think you guys should have some books that really don't say the e-myth because everyone, including myself, says the e-myth. Yeah. And don't say the Bible because we all know JC is looking down at us and wants us to read that one. That one's the most important one. But what is the uh, big three books? And it doesn't even have to be business or marketing. It could be uh, it could be the richest man in Babylon on how to save money. But what is the book, three books that you each would recommend? Yeah, really good questions. You know, there's so many. I It's tough <laughs> to narrow it down to three. I'm trying to process through my mind right now. The three that I think about that I would definitely look at. And it might be four because two of them I'll lump into one category. The first one from a leadership perspective, I'm a big, big John good Maxwell great. fan. Oh, dang it. No. I, I love good to great. You're going to say Jim Collins good to great. Tommy. You're talking right to Tommy right now. It's good to great is phenomenal, but it's very technical. So if yeah. you're not into the data stuff, then it might be a bit much. But from a leadership perspective, John Maxwell, very clear, very concise. There's five levels of leadership. Probably the, the first one I take a look at. The second one I, I definitely recommend is the 12-week year. So oftentimes we set annual goals. A 12-week year is about basically setting a 12-week goal and compressing your targets down. And it's very disciplined. It's very focused. So the 12-week year, I think Moran is the last name of the author. I'll have to check that out. The other two I'll lump together. Uh, Seth Godin's got a book called Purple Cow. And this- I was going with Lynchpin, you brat. <laughs> Seth Godin's got Purple Cow. This leads right into the branding conversation. And there's another one that's called Positioning. And it's not Seth Godin. But if you're talking about brand, Purple Cow is all about how do you be memorable? Being memorable is key to making sure your brand stands out in the minds of your consumers. So Purple Cow and Positioning. And whenever I read a book, Tommy, I like to transpose it into a couple different areas. I take a look at how am I looking at this through the lens of the industry? How am I looking at through the lens of my business? How am I looking at this through the lens of me as a leader? And how am I looking at this through the lens of me personally? So those are the different ways that I like to take a book, transpose it, dissect it, and then go out and execute against some of the principles. And my rule of thumb for myself is if I read a book and I I have to take away one thing and execute on it immediately. Otherwise, the book wasn't worth my time. One gold nugget. One gold nugget. That's it. Execute. That's one great word. Put it on your damn calendar and make time to get it done and work on it. So that's great. Cheryl, he stole your book, The Purple Cow. And I saw you looking around there aimlessly. He tried, he You're tried like, where do I, please. So I'm actually going to go in the ranking kind of that Josh just laid out. So professionally in the trades, I would do Failure to Implement by Howard Partridge. I would do Al Levy's Seven Power Contractor. These are books you can learn a lot from. 
And then moving as a leader, the five dysfunctions of a team, which is Patrick Lencion. I would read that for team buildings. You know, Tommy, you talk a lot about hiring and recruiting and retention. So I think reading about the dysfunction of a team and how to create symphony instead of dysfunction. Uh, brand aid is a good one for anyone who's struggling with their brand. Yeah, you know, the, the five dysfunctions of a team, we read that as a, as a group here at A1. And what, what we learned is one major thing that stood out to me is we all care about our own individual teams, but we got to learn to care about the whole more. And yes. so everybody's selfishly about their team instead of saying, how does this help the overall structure of everybody? And it was great because we all said we're pretty selfish. And um, it reminds me, why did the oyster cross the road? Why because she was shelfish. But um, <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, yeah you, he quit. Josh walked away. Listen, so here's how I like to end it. And I know we went a little over and I appreciate you guys, but I'm going to give you guys a few minutes. And the way we do this is, it doesn't need to be anything specific, but it could be how to be a better person. It could be, but what I like to do is say, get started now. What's something they could take and not tomorrow, but they shut off the radio or their phone and they say, this is something actionable. So let's end it. We'll give you guys a few minutes, depending on who wants to go first to talk about something that someone could take and put to use. And it can be about anything in the world. Yep. Two simple words for me. And it might be a bit controversial. So I have a little commentary that's short and sweet and to the point. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. You mentioned something really interesting, Tommy, that everybody recognizes how selfish they are. We have a very strong tendency to be very self-focused. Um, if anybody's ever read How to Win... Uh, what is it? Win Friends and Influence People. Win Friends and Influence People. Thank you. That was uh, my book four, Josh. Yeah. Live and breathe that. People are self-interested by nature. This is true of you, true of your people, true of your customers. When you have the ability to deny yourself and be more focused on everybody else and putting their needs and their aspirations and their goals and their dreams above your own, you will see magic happen. I promise you, your team will buy into you more. Your customers will buy more from you. This is such a powerful component and you see it through the lens of other people. This is how you grow your business and scale your business. Now, that's not to say don't have goals, don't have personal goals and all of that. But the principle is really, really look at this through the lens of other people. If you've not read that book, professionally read it the first time as professional read it a second time personally to go back to what josh said because it's going to change the way you interact with everyone in your life it's a great book and i've got it i've got a few copies, copies. i see those back there Ten yeah. copies. look at i've got a whole shrine outside i've got every single copy that there was ever sold i've got a picture <laughs> framed out there but it really is. It's a book I hand out. Every copy. I've got one on my shelf. You have every copy minus one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the originals. So Cheryl, one thing I learned from you is your, your tenacity and just you keep pushing to where you just want things done and you'll drive and you'll work till midnight. And you've got this, this ability to just, you love what you do and you love making an impact. And I don't know what love language you are. I don't know what it is. Mine is, uh, you know what, I got it. Hold on. Think about what you're saying. I'm sorry I'm unorganized because my finger's broken. But Acts of service. That's yours. Acts of service. How'd you know that? Nah, I just took a wild guess. <laughs> Dang it. Anyways, there it is. Look at this. So right here, it's act of service by having others help you with tasks you are working on. Yeah. And my second love language was spending quality time with me. But these are 
language is at work. So it's not about love. These are actually different tests, but I recommend everybody to pay the 10 or 15 bucks. My least one, believe it or not, is receiving gifts. Yes. But I do, I don't mind a gift every now and then. I think I love all five of them. No, I Shower me. I could have told you that. <laughs> so Cheryl, <laughs> why don't you tell us, give us the information we need to go win. To go win, oh. No, 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 you just talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's a big question. I think it's focus and drive. You have to be a tenacious doer in everything you do. And if you apply yourself and you're dedicated, you're focused and you're driven, you will excel at anything you apply yourself to. Oh, geez, that's powerful stuff right there. And the two words that we talked about, I heard a consistency a lot. And another word I love is accountability. And I love personal accountability. I like to go out and tell everybody what I'm going to do. I tell everybody I'm going to do a billion because guess what? I won't fail other people. I failed myself over and over again. That's why I tell the whole world. And it's not about a billion, but it's about how many people could I take with me and enrich their lives. A billion is a number, but what it represents is something greater than that. So I tell you what, this has been amazing. You guys got to check out scorpion.co. You got to check out the podcast. You guys got to get the books we recommended. And uh, we got to do this again soon. And I really, 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 really appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. Welcome. to be here, Tommy. Thanks for I having us. The finger gets better. Yeah. <laughs> Stop punching people. Yeah. yeah. You know what? They're going to get better. I shouldn't have wrestled. But anyways, thanks again, guys. This has been great. Hey, guys. I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And, and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it, to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.